Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking in Stations. This is the voice of Rain. You, I am not on camera today, and that's okay. Hello, everyone, but I'm your host, back and I am joined by Artemis, our lovely engineer. She will actually be talking and asking questions. So if her audio is either muted or too loud, please let us know in the chat. I mean, let's just find out right now. Hello, audience. Can you hear me? It's kind of a the running thing of talking in stations that we're not a real episode unless we have audio issues. I can actually hear Artemis. I muted the stream. Okay. Okay. So I'm assuming Artemis's mic. Okay. Hey, Nick came in. Awesome. Hello, everyone. Artemis Albosa, pronouns are she, her, currently flying with Noir in Action Warfare for the Glinta. All right, thank you, Artemis. And then we are joined by our lovely guest, Jeremy from Fireco. Hey, Jeremy, you want to give us a quick background about yourself? I'm the often replicated, never duplicated, and seldom wanted Jeremy Andadare from Fire. I've been here for about eight or nine months right now. At the time, I've constantly been a coalition FC. I, three months ago, four months ago, joined a corporation after Diva disbanded called Rogue Inferno. We are recruiting. I am a director for Rogue Inferno. I am also a cap and super FC for fire, but I am not fire leadership. I'm only leadership for my corporation, and I am not the CEO. I'm the only director. So, can you think? Oh, I was going to say thank you. Yeah. And I wanted to emphasize for the folks in chat that you're not fire leadership. So, whenever they get mad about something you do or don't say, they can't hold it against you. Yeah. I mean, I personally am going to take what you say as gospel and assume that that's prophetic for the actions of fire going forward. This is the opposite of the Miranda rights. Nothing I say or do could be held against me in a court of law. Yes, exactly. And so we do first question in chat says, did you say cap FC? So yes. are you have you done any fights for fire doing yes. cap FC? Um, when the initiative deployment was there, we had a fight where we were in TFIs. I was FCing a carrier fleet, Horde had a carrier fleet. I think we're fighting over like a jammer and Ansplex, and I believe it, in it brought Napox, and goons were there. That was probably the biggest one I've been in. I've been in a few other engagements since then, so I have FC'd the Fire Capital Fleet a few times, pinged for it even more times. So, Alrighty, you know, that's so... A, it's a curiosity I've always had with how often caps get pinged for and prepped just in case of an escalation, like. Percentage-wise, when caps are pinged for, how often do they actually fight? It, that depends a lot on your alliance. I would say for fire, it's probably about 10 to 20% of the time. Just as a precautionary measure, generally speaking, anytime you bring out a, a, a faction battleship or a T2, like a Marauder fleet, let's say, you will automatically ping caps to standby because the when battleships and paladins and things like that are on grid, it is at that it is worth it to take that fight if the objective is over and you can you can use caps there and trade very isk efficiently of course you know they're good at those kind of those kind of ships are tend to be good against you know battleships we have to change it but awesome. sorry to interrupt you rain go ahead no it's all good so you mentioned jeremy that you've been with fire i think you said like nine months so what mm -hmm. what initially brought you to fire like where were you at before fire so coming from disorderly vagrants which was formed in Brave and then moved over during the Delve War to Test. After Test kind of lived in Outer Passage for a while. We were not... <laughs> you, you're searching up the wrong character. That character that's, a, that's a different Jeremy that's been biomass. That has the exact same name as me, by the way. So... Oh, yeah. So when we were not happy with the direction that Test was going, 
we like I said, no bad blood or anything between test. Then we moved over to Severance because Sandrin was friends with Arcadios from the war. Diva, because of internal conflicts. Yeah, you see, one says recycle, and that's this is when Dotland has cashed. So we disbanded due to some internal conflicts. I was approached by Taphos to join Rogue Inferno as a director. Director Taphos is one of the leaders of Fireship Coalition. He's a great guy. You know, I've never had anyone who has a problem with Taphos. He offered me a director position in the corporation. Like I said, throughout that time, I have been FCing at the second highest level of Fire. So the only level above me is Coalition Coordinator. So the people who are making very big strategic decisions in terms of the FCT. Are you so do you want eventually to get to that position and fire or are you good not making those decisions? Uh, I'm I I'm pretty good not making those decisions. I that's a lot of work and a lot of time and that's not something I have a lot of either nowadays. So I prefer to stay and and FC rather than make decisions about that. But I'm always happy to sit and talk and advise, you know, people like that, but at the end of the day it's a lot of, a lot more work than just FCing. Yeah, for sure. So we have you on as a guest from Fire, and we all have been hearing the past few weeks about the war against Fire. You even mentioned the fight where Horden Initiative and goons all came down to Fire Space to fight. Mm-hmm. How so? How has it been being an FC with with the current war, like the de- declaration of the war, the actual fighting, and then the moving? So I think from everyone, especially when it was first declared, there was a lot of you know anxiety about what was going to happen. We we were very clear and honest with the members up front that we were not going to be able to take any kind of real engagement it just it wasn't going to be happening with you know 70 percent of the game fighting an alliance that makes up or similar so like nullsec fighting a a coalition that makes up maybe 10 to 15 percent of nullsec and has a lot of other issues that they don't have we can get into that later so we knew that we were not going to win the war by any definition we we knew that the best we could hope for is buy more time to unanchor more structures and get members evacuated unfortunately because of some logistical issues we we did pretty well we were not able to do i think as well as some of us would have hoped or as some of our line members would have hoped um but sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles you know we couldn't get everything we wanted to done the Evac, you know, we had a lot of deaths from supers. A lot of these supers died because they were not listening to the FC. They're trying to move themselves right, and that happens, especially a coalition like Fire, where you have four different language groups. So, for those of you who don't know, Fire has four language groups. It has Eastwind, who are Chinese. It has Synergy of Steel and a few other alliances and corporations who are German. And then there's Legion of XIX Death and Patriots and a few of these guys who are Russian and, you know, Ukrainian and CIS, Valkyries, German, and then a bunch of U.S. alliances like Severance, Severance, and then EU alliances like Razor. So we have five different time zones, four different language groups. It makes large movements like this very difficult to to do and that's part of the reason I, th- I think why we did not hold for terribly long it's very hard to kind of communicate when there's this language barrier and there's no translator available so 
So like you, for example, you may be a U.S. time zone FC and speak English, but that doesn't mean you're able, like if you don't have a translator, then you can't communicate with those who just don't speak English then. Yeah. They have I to mean, join your fleet under the assumption that they either understand you or they don't. Yeah, that they have, or that there's a translator around. So, I mean, we, you, you're given a guide. It's like a, it's literally like a, like a, a pocket tourist, essentially, you know, like a phrase book, essentially. And it has, this is how you say it phonetically in Russian, this command, like Razgun is a line. You know, this is how you say this, this is how you say that. And it's, it's workable, but it's limiting. You can't do anything that needs precise movements or precise languages because you only know general orders and general commands if you don't have a translator. So it makes it hard to to punch up and to really show off the skill of your line members when you're having a hard time communicating to them what you want to do. I'm actually really impressed that they have a guidebook, though. Like, that's actually super convenient. Mm-hmm. Like, I, n- I never realized groups could do that. Like, because in that way, like, anybody knows how to press F1 regardless of the language you speak. Yeah. But being able to follow FC who can just say simple things like align and jump or warp is like super, super good. Yeah. So we, uh, we have, and uh, of course, the mandatory phrase that all uh, English speakers in fire must say, turisti. it means, sorry, I'm a stupid American tourist. All right. So. And you say that on your fleets or just in general to, uh, to yes, members? Yeah, both, both, you know, if I, if I mess up, that's what I'll say, you know, Razgulkansky turisti, you know, and they, the Russians like it, so. Okay, I gotcha. That, that makes sense. So that's for things like, like fights and, you know, yeah. defending structures or, you know, taking mm-hmm. fleets. So what about like moves? Was that also a hurdle when trying to do move ops? I figured yeah. it'd be a perk because, you know, multiple time zones, but I also don't understand the logistics in that. Yeah, so it can be hard because a lot of these people, I mean, have lived... Synergy of Steel has lived in the same space for like nine years. Um, so a lot of these people, this is their first time getting evicted, you know, let's you know, pull it straight here. This is their first time getting evicted. This is their first time having to use their supers or capitals and have them be shot at by things which aren't rats. So for a lot of people, this is they're they're very overestimating. They they're kind of panicked on what to do, so they're making poor choices, and it can be hard to communicate because you can put out a ping in Russian and English, right? Well, you can put that through Google Translate, and that might not come out exactly how you want it to be worded in somebody who speaks a different language in those two. And of course, the people who are pinging these. Con- neither Constantine nor Tavos' first language is English. Arcadios' first language is English, and that's probably his only language, I think, actually. He might speak a little Spanish, I don't know. But so so you're you're operating on several levels possibly of of translation. So that's that's part of the problem. And like I said, when when the directions are unclear and people panic, it, it, it can be they can make poor choices. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? Like, people trying to move in a place after living in, you said, like, what, nine years? So you I live mean, in a might be hyperbolic, but they've lived there for a very long time, yeah. Yeah, so you live somewhere for years, you get news that there's a war, and then you get news that you have to move, and you're trying to, like, I don't know, maybe you have work or something that prevents you from taking the t- the move up in your time. So you're like, oh, I'll be fine, I'll just join these Americans, and then it's confusing because it's mm-hmm. translated. So I, I can see why people try to, I don't know, go independently against, you know, outside yeah. of what the FC wants and outside of what leadership wants. So has there been like a strategic effort by the attackers, by PanFam and Initiative to 
take out the structures that you have in order to move. Like if you're moving capital and super capital fleets, you ideally want a Keepstar chain or at least a Fortazar chain to get you from where you are to where you're going safely. Have they been attacking that chain specifically? So I do not want to speak about our, our low sec chain. I will speak about that the chain in Firespace itself, I know at least one Fortazar has been put into hull. I'm fairly sure that most of them are an armor timer at this point. And the one and they're not they're not really concerned about it because they're watching all of these Fortazars. And as people jump supers to them, they they just warp picks on them and kill them, right? That's why a lot of these kills are coming from is people evacuating themselves and trying to use forts for supers and they get caught on a fort and killed. So it really it's in their best interest to kind of space these Fortazar kills out because people will continue to try to evac supers through Fortazars and, and get ganked. It's happening a lot of times here as well. That's a good thought. And then we do know that there is the recent update, I would say, to like the war status where Fire announced that they were actually evacing and joining B2 and that mm -hmm. they were going to fly through Goon space. So has that helped in a bit? I know Imperium probably, maybe not replaced all the keep stars but they had at least a large network in delve of being able to place you know strategic ships for moving and stuff like yes. that yes yeah, so that's helped us out a lot goons have been very helpful in assisting our our movement i i really think that this could have got a lot worse if goons were not around to help us it, it would have been really really bad and it's already a pretty bleak situation as it is sometimes so goons goons doing this helped us out massively and it was it was just very very amicable of Asher for do to do this, and we're really thankful to him. Yeah, they're even they were even helping us cover. Of course, going from Amencia to Delve it uses a lot of fuel, so I know people have been trying to been helping out, giving fuel to people from Delve and Fire, or from Goons in Fire while they're in Delve. Whatever you know what I mean. From Goons to people in Fire while they are in Delve. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. So it's. It's been it's been very very good. It's been very helpful to us. So it's just something we're very real thankful for. Yeah, I so, remember. Oh, go on, Artemis. Moving in with B two, is this like test crashing on the couch in Outer Passage, or is this merging coalition? So, fire is not a part of B two. Fire is a a separate coalition which is blue to B two and shares similar interests in ACLs. The hope is, and I think, that, I mean, this was public, this was a ping in Noras and 2B2, is that Fire would like to occupy Branch and, and take that from Frat and use that kind of, yeah. So that's, the, that's kind of what we're hoping for, is to come, come go and live in Branch and rebuild and then kind of see what options are available for us once we have living space to see you know do we need to go somewhere else so we're not part of b2 we're independent but blue to b2 so kind of like along that line of thinking i know fraternity has kind of been friends with panfam for the longest time so won't that just result in i don't know because goblins declared the war won't goblins just bring a horde back up and then blue winter and then say don't worry fraternity we'll help you fight because we hate these guys too or something and then it's again just another massive war just in the north rather than the south I think if that were to happen, I think Init and Goons would come assist. Asher really likes Brave, and of course, I think he likes, you know, he's willing to, to not let Fire get steamrolled. So I think if, if Horde and Frat were to make a full deployment, then I think we're counting on Goons and in Initiative to counter deploy. 
And I think between B2, Fire and Imperium versus Winterco and Horde, I think it swings slightly in favor of the Defenders. But that is something that remains to be seen. That's a very interesting... I mean, and that's something we have to account for, right? We don't have a lot of options here. That's just something we have to have to take a gamble on and see how that kind of develops. Alrighty. I mean, that would... I think that if you ask the average line member, such as myself, I feel like that's a war I'd love to see. Mm -hmm. But as a person, like you're talking about all the logistics of moving and setting things up, that does not sound fun. It sounds just like another big war, but super tedious for both sides. Yeah, well, it's actually a lot easier to do logistics to like pure blind and fade in Declan because it's a lot closer to Jita than uh, like Delve was. So the logistics of this war, if it happens, actually won't be as cancer. It'll, it, it's, it'll be a lot easier on, on the logistics, I think, than the Delvor was. So before we get too far from the Imperium, they have, and it was asked in chat as well, they recently changed management from the Mitanni over to Asherlia. And so the question there is, have relationships adjusted between Fire and the Imperium as a result of that leadership change? And then I have another follow-up question. Okay. I'm I guess I'm not in fire leadership. I can only I can only guess at that question. I, I would think they have improved. I think Asher people did not like Matani as a person. You know, that's that's for various reasons, right? Everyone I've talked to seems to think, especially now that they're allowing fire to pass, right? I think that people are very amicable to Asher. I think people I mean we like Asher, you know. And I, I think it's just a, a better position for Goonswarm to be in, having Asher Elias in charge rather than Goon. And, I, and I, you know, Hykorian says in chat, Mitani would never allow this. Yeah, ab no, Mitani would never have done this. So it's, I'm very happy to see Asher is, is taking this route. I think he's very good for Goonswarm. Okay, and then my follow-up question, looking at the Imperium's change in perspective. Initially, they were supportive of the war, initiative was joining in and attacking Fire Coalition. Mm -hmm. But then they turn around and set out a ping, saying that previous wrongs were made right. And so now they're allowing this move. What were those wrongs? I'm not familiar with the ping you're talking about. What I, what I would suspect... So let me, let me take you on an adventure with the question. Let me, let me tell you how this war started. So, if you remember after the Delve War, Test, Fire, and BFL, which is a Sigin Horde, went down to Impasse to clear out RC from Impasse. Well, after RC was evicted from Impasse, Dracarius moved in, BFL had a staging Fortizar deployed in TRO7. They had... I don't want to say they asked permission per se. I don't know what conversation went on, but essentially that they were allowed in some capacity to continue staging out of TRO seven and attacking Esoteria and anything left in like impasse. When this occurred, that's what caused the first initiative deployment was to help RMC. That's what this started this whole thing was we allowed Horde to come and stage in TRO seven and stage in our space and shoot. Imperium allies. So, I think what he's referring to is is this is is us letting Horde stage out of our space. Um, and I guess I mean I can't I I can't speculate to what those wrongs are. I'm not familiar with that. So, 
I, I, I just, I think that it's referring to the the previous deployment against us, that or that we did against them. Curious. Okay, that is that is all the questions I had there. I'm still mulling about over whether this is a legit thing or just political shenanigans, so that Imperium line members are happy to let people they were riled up to go shoot move through their space. Well, um, look at it from Asher's perspective, right? So who has Asher? I mean, his, you know, when Asher was first, you know, imposed as CEO of Goons, he put out a meme that was like, you know. He it was like his Photoshop, and he was like going down to, to Firespace, and there's explosions in Firespace, and going down to Horde, and there's explosions in Horde space, and they're in you know frat, fr explosions in frat, and then he gets to like what is now B two space, and it's just like goons like go and pet B two and give him a kiss and go back to Delve. So I think and and listening to his firesides, I really do think Asher likes B two, and I think he wants to see it succeed. So us joining B two. And helping protect them against frat and horde not only offers you know strategic benefit to him as it's helping people who are who are amicable with him and who have been amicable for some time now, allowing him them to come up you know Antiplex access whatever in sinos and shoot horde. It's giving him a strategic buffer against any kind of invasion into Cloud Ring or whatever through the this kind of northern route. If Winterco and Painfam wanted to attack goons again from the north, it would so. I, I mean, ahead, there's. A, I was gonna say there's an extra layer of that too, right? Like we saw World War B one and World War B two, at least mm -hmm. in all my time of playing Eve. And every time it's every single group that has ever been wronged by Imperium is like, yeah, man, heck those guys for that one thing they did to me three years ago or whatever the yeah. narrative of Eve is, right? And so this is a prime example of kind of the opposite, right? So yeah. now if Winter and Pan Fam and B two are like, you know what, we should do another World War B like World War B3 or whatever, Fire this time is going to be like, well, wait a minute. They were super helpful to us. Asher's a nice guy. He hasn't really smack-talked us. Like, why would we do that? Like, we have bigger fish to fry. And, and so, B2 like, is, is very much in that same boat when yeah. Dunk took them out of Legacy and moved them over to Pureblind. It was explicit. They were not interested in another World War B because they were making decisions on support of other coalitions, not in support of Brave. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you can still have, I don't know, in-game politics of E without making like mortal enemies of everyone, right? Like people can f love fighting Asher in-game, but still value like him as a person. And I think this yeah. is an example of that. I do kind of want to push back on the buffer idea, though, because the same can be said with Firespace currently. If Horde or Panfam, anyone wants to come down on the eastern side of the map, down through the south, and then attack the Imperium... Currently, there's Fireco in the way, assuming Fireco would defend their space and not provide access. So if the idea is the Imperium is incentivized to put Fireco in a buffer, they want them where they are. Well, you got to keep in mind that this was Horde evicting us, essentially, right? In it, in it showed up and kind of, you know, assisted. They didn't really do anything. I think both times we got a big fight. Every time we had a big fight out of in it, they did really poorly and fed Lokis or something like that. So I, it, it was Horde evicting us, essentially, with Initiative participating. And I think Asher is making here the best of a bad situation. Or, you know, he's making the best out of what is, is currently... And if Gobbins is honest to his promise about neutral states in, you know, in this space, then they will be 
a a a buffer already there, you know, when pre-built in with those neutral states. So you'd only have to worry about the the regional imperigan soul in the south, essentially, because that's the super, that's the that's the regional highway. But I'm glad you brought up the neutral state thing. This is actually something Rain and I were discussing a bit pre-show because we we're like, all right, what what are we going to talk about today? What are the talking points? And classic thought when you have a big null sec war. Let's look at the timer board. But when you look at them, space really isn't changing hands here. And that's something that people haven't quite realized is going to not happen yet. Like, there are tons of timers. There's 56 timers on the timer board. But that's troll toasting. The, the invaders here, Horde and the Initiative, do not care one bit about this solve. They don't want their line members to solve mine. They don't care about taking the space. They don't need it. They don't want it. What they care about are the kill mails, and soft does not generate kill mails. So when this space dies, it will have to die to those smaller groups who plan to live there, because pinging this space once fire code moves is not going to result in any defense fleet showing up. The only reason to kill this soft is if you intend to live there yourself. So I would expect this sovereignty to linger for quite a while. And you're, you're not going to see much happening with it because nobody wants to solve mine for literally no reason. Yeah. I'm tracking. Yeah, I mean, you're, it's just an observation. You're not incorrect. This is, it's, I mean, the possibility is we just stop paying solve bills. Because, no. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. Would you want to self-destruct everything so you don't have solve bills? I mean, I would, I would do that for sure. Once, once the space has been more cleared out and, you know, whatever... I would definitely see about self-destructing that if I was leadership, because we're just kind of paying for nothing. So, question on the mechanics: solve bills are increased based on upgrades you install in iHubs. Is there a way to yes. downgrade those iHubs such that your solve bill is less while you're still holding that solve to protect your members as they're moving through their citadels and what have? So yes, you can. I believe you can take out. You can offline them. I don't know if you can take them out. I've not personally done it. But I think you, I think they're like rigs. You can only offline them, but you can't take them out. But yes, yeah, so you can do that. I mean, if you wanted to to self destruct that them, you would just take money out of your wallet essentially and not pay the solve bill and not let the game auto bill you for solve. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah, I was talking to Artemis about how any new groups that want to move in now, instead of just being able to say, hey guys, let's live here, and then placing down iHub, and I'll have to toast those iHubs. And it's going to be, I mean, essentially uncontested, right? But it's yeah. still effort by newer groups. That's not necessarily a, a poor thing, you know, because it, it, it's like kind of stunt cost fallacy, right? Well, we might not, we might have found something better somewhere else or whatever, right? But we've already toasted this solve, and we already killed it. You know, we've we've put more work into it, so we're willing to stay here for longer. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that that happens. But yeah, that's true. I do have um, a go ahead, right? Oh no, go on, go on. I do have a quick question regarding the relocation, because Fire Coalition is going from owning something like nine regions to making it a goal to take one away from Fraternity. That is a dramatic decrease in size. Is there some sort of internal restructure, or you think that's just the result of shedding so many members? How, how is that squeeze going to work? Well, when you look at what used to be Firesolve, you'll see that a lot of it is actually very poor sec. Like, those systems, 
we talk we talk about your resource capacity, right? Those a lot of these systems do not have a very high capacity for people to live in them. So I know like Wood Creek does not have a single like neg one system. Like most of Firespace does is like you're lucky if you have like you know two you know point five systems. Wicked Creek, yeah, Wicked Creek has one good constellation in it. Tenerifus has a good one. But for the yeah, for the most part, if you look, there's some point fours, but there's a lot of point twos and point ones. So it's it's not like people were using all of these systems to the fullest. Now branch and you know venal next to it, all of that is is much better sec and it's much less spread out as well. So we're gonna live there. Couple of so questions can... on that. First, a comment from the chat. One one of our members is saying, or one of the chatters is saying that Fireco was too spread out, so their space was indefensible. In your experience as an FC, was that true? Fire Coalition was designed to take a fight at any front, essentially, so except the Horde front or two fronts. So it really wasn't that we were too spread out. It's that we were too spread out to fight a two-front war, if that makes sense. We we cannot re with the amount of space we have and the way the regionals are set up, you can very easily take a fight from any one direction and hold the regional. It's very hard to take a multi-directional fight with the way fire space is set up and the regionals are set up, because you really only have to hold you have to hold Fay the Ballas, which has two regionals into Tenerifus. Amencia has one re has like three regionals into Detroit and Wicked Creek and all that. So you really focus on like. 10 systems and you defend those 10 systems and you get everyone to move to nearby and then once the war is over you everyone goes back to where they were living beforehand uh with a, a two-front war it's not possible to quickly switch staging and defense points like that to account curious and then we have a follow-up question from mac in the chat going back a bit to the, your discussion on whether the space was useful and they ask I've never lived in Null, so minus 0.2, minus 0.5, what's the difference there? How is it meaningful? So minus 0.2, minus 0.5, the big thing they affect is the anoms that spawn. So you will get more rats, more everything spawning in higher, or sorry, well, I guess technically lower security systems. So the, the quick rule of thumb here is every pin... Point ten that you go down, you can put one extra Ishtar in the system to do ratting with. That's, that's, that's just an example, let's say. So a point two system, you can do like two Ishtars in that system, and then you've basically all you're doing all the sites that are worthwhile for Ishtars to do with with you know respawns. So a point five system, you can put five people in that system. In a negative one system, you can easily put ten people. And also, this affects, I believe, belt rat spawns as well. So, if, if the higher security system or the lower security systems, especially Neg One, they will spawn more valuable rats in addition to anoms. And of course, Negative One, you can get your officer drops, which are very, very expensive. I, I think there's maybe currently in fire space the same amount of point Neg Nine and Neg and Negative One systems as there are currently in Branch. As well, the moons in Firespace, they're very poor. For a lot of them, you have to go quite far to find any moon that's worth mining. Branch has several good moons in it from our preliminary reports. So there's just 
fire, the isk was there. It's more spread out. Branch, you can you there's a much higher capacity for isk making. It's, it's almost kind of like being in a desert, really. You have to go really far in the desert to find water, or you can be by a river and there's water all around you. Curious. Last question here. We had a member of chat mention that or claim that Fire Coalition were renting overlords. And so moving over to Branch, you're basically losing a rental empire. Was Fire Coalition renting out a lot of their space? We were renting out some of it. A lot is a very, you know, that's not, not really. I mean, I think we rented out maybe five constellations in the entire, I think, I think we maybe had five. And that might be more than I even think about. I know we had one system in Impasse, or not Impasse, in Scalding Pass we rented. I think we wanted to run Constellation in Tenerifus. So no, there's not a lot of rental space at all. And it's fact, it's just small alliances that want to kind of do their own thing and while having the protections of a block coming in and you know, living in these spaces, and then people point to small alliances living in our space as being renters for some reason. And whoever is talking about renting all of Faith out, that's completely false because I used to live in Faith, and I'm part of. I used to be part of XIX. So now there's a very small portion of this whole thing that's actually rented. So there was no fee paid for that protection then. No, no. I mean, if you're if you are a small, we were actually during the the goon deployment. We were giving money to these small alliances to afford SRP. Like, Constantine repeatedly said, if you're a small alliance, or if you're a line member and your alliance is having trouble paying SRP or helping you get chips to, to talk to fire leadership, and they were paying out people and alliances to help assist with SRP. So Now, the larger alliances were asked to donate some of their income it was not mandatory they were asked to donate a certain portion of income to assist these smaller alliances but that was like it was like a donation drive it was not us like hey you gotta you gotta pay this or you're gonna get kicked out of the coalition Alrighty, a lot of people are calling you a renter now i'm sorry it's okay there's apparently a landlord not a renter i mean i All used right, to okay. rent from triumvirate back when they were living in faith of Allah. You can tell we're all millennials because we know all about renting, right? <laughs> so I guess now, right, so right now fire is evacuating. Has the original fire space been fully evacuated, or is there still some people trying to move? I mean, they're probably just people who are AFK living there, but I mean, structures are getting cleared out by the day. And as, of course, as you can see, a lot of them are getting cleared out all the time. So I think a lot of people are going to find themselves in asset safety if they're still there or logging on in the middle of so i think anyone who's left there is just afk at this point all right so at least all the active members and all the people wanting to move have had the option to start moving yeah yeah all right so i guess so has have folks started settling then oh up in b2 space no we're safe... still moving our first super move up to b2 space is right now it's going it's currently ongoing so there might be people there but the bulk of the force has not yet arrived in b2 Alrighty. so if i were to stage a dread cash like which like midpoint would be the best you probably want it in in syndicate <laughs> is, that, is that a real answer i was joking <laughs> you want it you want it in the what is the only name system in syndicate Poitot. okay yeah you I want it in <laughs> you want it in Poitot. 
I can do that. There's stations there, right? I you don't wanna, know. You want to you want to stage your dread cash in Poitot? Right, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. So I want to take some notes too. Looking at this ongoing super capital move up, how many supers are? I, the the numbers from the first one are public, so I'm okay with talking about that. There was a few. I mean, it was like 200 supers and I think 70 titans or so. I think actually, I think it's 271 supers and 79 titans were moved the first move up. So we're looking, we're probably looking at a ballpark of 400 supers and 140 titans for the entirety of Fire Coalition that have been moved thus far. That's Rain, how does how does that compare to when you were in PL and Panfam? So. I was going to say, that depends. So PanFam's dramatically different than what PL has. But PL, I believe every member at least had like a super or a Titan and then like Faxalts. And then we had, there are a lot of people who had like multiple cap characters. So like if we were to dread bomb, it's like one person could bring like five dreads or something like that. So, I mean, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if that's comparable going one to one, but PL, PL and NC dot at least make up a good portion of that right. for PanFam. I was going to say, Hor yeah. PO alone probably has a comparable Titan fleet to us if they were to like well PO and NC have a comparable Titan fleet to us alone, so And if you look at Horde, Horde has a lot of the numbers, but when it comes to like FCing and calling shots, it's like all of Pan Fam works together for that. So it's not like PL operates in a silo and then Horde operates in a silo. They all work together with move ops and then actual like fighting like an M2. And I don't think it's any any surprise I think Horde has some of the best FCs in game. I mean, we have we have Securitas, who's literally been like meta-defining. He invented the Paladin fleet. Like, uh, they have literal like meta-defining FCs. They have Headliner, who's like probably the one of the number one top ten FCs in the entire game ever. We would have won the war with Headliner, thanks Nidaspar. Yeah, I'm I stand but, behind uh, that. Wow. Okay, let's cool it on the ego boosting, shall we? But yeah, they. Uh... Yeah, so PanFam's pretty... If you look at PL just in general, or like PLNC, because they kind of operate together, compared to like Horde. Horde adds a lot of numbers. I mean, PanFam in general, like especially with Horde, if you look at that, like it's... I believe Horde's like, what, the largest alliance in the game? Because they're constantly maxing out like all the corpse that are in it and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get a sense, because I'm imagining if you're going into Branch, and you're trying to take this space away from Winter. Winterco to my knowledge, has a fairly large super capital fleet. I don't think we've seen it in action in the kind of warfare that you would have seen for PanFam or for the Imperium, but mm -hmm. theoretically the numbers are there. So I'm just curious how you're really expecting that to go. Are, are we relying on the Imperium showing up to back you up to take that space, or do you feel like you could take it on your own? So... You have to keep in mind, first off, B2 is a coalition, and we're going to we're doing this together as a it's not fire, it's B2 and fire are doing this. Second, the frat CNTZ is much different from EU and especially USTZ. Fire is his strongest argue and B2 strongest, arguably when frat is weakest. So I believe that the hope here is that we take fights which are amicable to us in our time zone, and we will avoid fights in China time zone when Frat is the, the stronger force. I mean, I gotta push back on you on that. You're, you're attacking their space. So this is their vulnerability windows. They choose when the Citadel timers come out. They choose when the Sovereignty timers come out. There is yeah, no avoiding yeah. those timers. 
but you have to consider as attackers, especially with the uh, the structure updates, that those can come out at a, a wide variety of times. So it's about taking the ones that roll well and just avoiding the ones that don't look winnable, you know? So this war coming up, B2 and Fire Coalition are looking towards repeated solve and structure reinforcements and then just hoping to get lucky on exit timer roll yeah i mean you can then there's always possibility of of hitting multiple objectives at once right so they can't cover both there's a, there's a lot of things to do but i think it's pretty pretty reasonable to assume that not a, there's not a lot people can do against maxed form c and tz and and you know the frat I mean, the frat CNTZ FC's team is really good, but the EU and USTZ is, is somewhat lacking. So, it's it's also worth pointing out because like, I know we initially started this with like the supers and the titans. You're really not using those on offensive, right? So it's not like fire and Brit and B two are going to be gating their supers and titans in the branch to fight these timers. It's more of defensive. So you'd yeah. put them on. I don't know if you guys remember with the break in the fountain. Like that's how Init used their supers and titans was they always had it for the defense and then once they gave up the defense they moved them all out but they never used them on offense i think yeah and so that's that's kind of the strategy with that too like it's a good sort of deterrent but i'd be really shocked if an offensive strategy included gating or i guess maybe signing through a regional i don't know if you can sign through a regional to try and yeah so i mean it's not gonna be easy and it might not be even doable but it's 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 a it is a it is a way and a method of attack which we can try and we might evolve and adapt. I think it'd be fun to see a giant war again, but that's just me. So somebody posted a D scan in the Fire English public chat, so I'm willing to talk about this. The current D scan for the super move up has one hundred and ninety three super carriers, sixty dreads, sixty carriers, seventy fifty seven titans, and twenty nine facts. We need more facts. Is that mid move up or is that the beginning that is i think mid move up oh that's yeah that's not good definitely i love that the tower is awake shuttle that's hilarious yeah but so i know we're coming up at the top of the hour artemis did you have any other questions you wanted to talk about with jeremy and fire i i'm very curious as to how everything is going to shake out this is a large move a lot of people are losing a lot of ships and unfortunately, I'm not sure it's something Jeremy can answer because nobody's going to be great at predicting the future. I'm just very concerned about what Fireco is going to look like at the end of this move. Will they have thing because my headset's dying? Hold on. Gotta plug that in. You still there, Jeremy? Okay. Can you hear us now? Hello. Okay. Well, my headset just died. One second. I mean, I was mostly ranting anyway, so let me continue to rant. And who cares about Jeremy? I'm the important one here. Um, So my concern is, Fireco moving all of this way, you're going to shed a lot of members, be it the ones who are already AFK, or the ones who realize, you know, I don't have time for this move up, I'm just going to stop off and delve and join the Imperium. Or all sorts of different things can happen that will shed members. So I'm really, really concerned if their intention is to go fight, like, the third largest coalition in the game to take away space. Like, even if you're joining B2, B2 held their own on the defensive. Going offensive is a completely uh, different uh, story. 
So I'm just super okay. worried there, but I don't think either Jeremy or I can really predict the future about what is the state of Fire Coalition after this move. We'll just have to check in again in a month or so and see what that looks like. All right, Jeremy, did you say you got your headset fixed? Yeah, so the battery in my headset is broken and it won't charge. It, 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 ha- it can hold a charge for like 45 minutes or something like that, and then it'll die, so... Yeah. Okay, well, so we can kind of end this a little bit early. Was there anything you wanted to say? Any shout-outs, final thoughts, things we didn't get to discuss? Yeah. Shout-out to, to Fire Coalition for having me for nine months. Great time. If you're looking for a coalition to join, definitely join Fire. I can't keep up with all these move-ops, though, because I got real life, so I'm joining Goons, Memento Mori. See you all around. Okay, that's, a, that's quite an announcement. Why a Memento Mori? Uh, Slav Vagbal is my best friend ever. <laughs> ooh, ooh. And uh, I wanted somebody of equal intelligence to myself to uh, to join a corp with. So you excited to fly into Pro God again? Yeah, well, he's an Amok, but... Uh, I'm going to go ping my corporation that I'm leaving. Real, but, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, you're not taking your corporation with you? <laughs> no, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. I'm literally... Listen, I've been very happy in Fire. But I literally just do not have the time to play this game anymore. So I'm joining. Uh, I'm joining goons because they're more AFK than fire. Oh, I was gonna say you could just join PL for the retirement home. I can't. Meeting. I can't join PL. I can't join PL. It's not a not a not a workable situation. Artemis, any final thoughts from you? We did have some patch notes that came out. Nothing particularly interesting, other than the rate of observatory flashpoint anomalies is increasing their spawn time in Poshfem. So these were these super incredibly valuable sites that people were running Marauder fleets in Poshvin, and there were tons of fights, constant action, but also an insane amount of ISK being printed. So CCP changed them from instantly respawning to respawning every 90 minutes, and we saw just activity tank. Now they're almost cutting that down by two-thirds to 35-minute respawn timers. So hopefully we'll begin to see an uptick in activity in Poshven. We did just have sort of the fight over a Fortazar, but that's not quite connected to this. And actually, Jeremy, if you are still with us, I'd love to hear you mentioned before the show a talk about moving to Poshven and whether that's interesting for either your corporation, you, or the Alliance. What are, what are your thoughts there? So I think we had talked about doing some kind of like blops so you 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 do you bring blops into potchman run sites and then you find a target you blops out of potchman onto that site and then you 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 fill it back into potchman something like that but i think even then these respawn timers are still so oppressive i think that it's not still not worth it to 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 do it essentially so yeah, I think it needs to be lowered about 15 minutes to make it to make it a workable situation. If you want p- to encourage people to to fight and to interact in Pachvin, rather than just kind of, you know, it's it's just, it's just too much waiting time in an area where there's already a lot of waiting time. All right, fair enough. And I would love to dive into the details on the mechanics of sinoing out of Pachvin to black to blops jump on people, but that's probably but a, a story for another crap. time. It's just what Rote used to do. It's what Rote used to do, and they would do it on on Frat, and then they would they would just, you know blobs out of Pochvin and blobs into Pochvin. Okay, so. I will go into it then. So to clarify for the listeners who may be staring at a Dotland map and seeing Pochvin here in the middle in the center, and then Fraternity way up in the north at the edge of the map. The reason Pochvin is so weird 
is because it was taken from existing high sec and low sec systems. So if your low sec system in Poshvin now used to be in Lone Track, it's still there in terms of the galaxy. You just can't access it from Lone Track anymore. So if you're in that formerly Lone Track system in Poshvin, in terms of your jump bridges for capitals, if you had one in Poshvin, or your blops, which you can now get in, you can still blops onto anything. And it's much more difficult, of course, to scout in Poshvin because it's much harder to get eyes in there with the limited access and that sort of thing. So that's, that's how you can go from Poshvin, what shows kind of in the center, all the way out to various edges of the map is because those systems were stolen from low-sec and high-sec regions, and they're still physically there in space. You just can't get in there from their former low-sec area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, really solidified fraternity wanting any sort of ownership and ability to do stuff in Poshvin because, because they were suffering from it. Alrighty, with that pause, we're at the top of the hour. We had final thoughts from Jeremy and yourself, Artemis. I personally don't have any. Stick tuned. Next week, we're hopefully going to... Maybe we'll have the CSM candidates back like Kenneth and Arcia, and we can discuss it. Otherwise, we'll, we're taking suggestions for other topics folks want to consider. But, yeah, um, there's a summit going on right now, right? Yep, so CSM is out there now. I know some of the devs who don't live there are out there. And they're doing a summit this week. I believe CCP Swift released sort of like their schedule slash suggested sort of meetings. So super excited to see there. And then we also heard that they were going to do meeting minutes, which we were so used to in the past. That kind of went away with the pandemic. So we they, should see Sorry, they are or they won't? They, yes, they are doing meeting minutes as far as I know. They just, it takes them like at least a month to publish them because there's so much iteration and redacting that goes on with them. Awesome. Yeah, I'm super stoked. It should be lots of fun. I'm excited to hear what's being discussed and what what great news we get this year with what's, what CCP is coming out with, with the new expansions. And with that, I will sign out. Normally, I tell you all to wave at this point as we roll into credits, but stick around for the raid. We're going to go to credits. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Talking In Stations. <laughs>